0: Hi, it's Emily here from iPhotography. Before we get started with this podcast, I just wanted to say, if you're looking to improve your photography without even leaving your home, why not join the fun at iPhotography? We have online courses designed for beginners, and we cover everything you need to get started. Check out iphotographycom forward slash podcast for an exclusive discount. So given how 2020 went for so many photographers, it's totally understandable that adaptation was the key to keeping motivated and creative. And while the light is at the end of the tunnel and it's getting a little bit closer, we thought it would be a good idea to have a look at some small scale home photography projects that you could still do while you're at home. If you can't get out a lot, then we've got three little projects for you to try out with your camera. We'll take you through the whole setup step-by-step, give you the ideas of props and the camera settings that you'll need. It's gonna be a really, really simple little podcast episode that's brought to you by iPhotography. My name's Steven. If you've not heard any of our episodes before, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this one at least. I'll hopefully enjoy it enough to be able to subscribe and follow and listen to all the other ones that we've got coming up and all the other ones previously. So our first little tutorial is about doing a milk splash. If you've never done one of these, it's a really fun, yeah, kind of a little bit of a messy technique, but it can look amazing when you get the timing right. So let's give you an idea of what you're going to need in terms of props to get this set up. So it's it's super simple, a lot of this. It's pretty low budget. You can go to most shops and find a lot of the props that we're going to talk about. One or two things you may need to kind of maybe look online specifically um, at a photography accessory store, um, but I'll get to that in a second. So obviously with the Milk Splash tutorial, we're going to need milk. Now it's up to you as to whether you want to keep it a natural color or if you actually wanna dye it with a bit of food coloring, you can do that as well, it can look quite interesting. Um, You'll also need a pipette, or if you think of like a turkey baster, something like that that's gonna help you able to squeeze the milk out drop by drop, so just doing it in a slightly more controlled manner. Uh, You'll need a clean, dark, reflective surface, maybe something like a, a black baking tray, or if you can go down to your local hardware store and get a flooring tile, like a nice polished one, that's gonna work great to give you some really kind of nice reflections and a bit of depth so a good dark one is going to contrast nicely against the pale colored milk and um, you're gonna need a clamp um, so effectively, that can be done either if you're using maybe a tripod because you'll need one of those as well. So if you've got two tripods, that'll be really, really handy. If not, you can just get a steady pair of hands, someone who's basically going to hold the, the pipette filled with water, uh, filled with milk, sorry, I'll <laughs> get the right tutorial, Hel- holding it above your surface to drop it down. So you can potentially do it yourself if you're kind of good at multitasking, but it's probably handy to have another pair of hands uh, to help you out. If you haven't, then getting a clamp. no what a clamp is basically it sits on what we call a, a boom arm or a reach arm which you can sometimes attach to a tripod and that basically kind of gives you this horizontal um, arm which you can then attach other things to to dangle down so some people use it for floral photography uh, but then the clamp itself can actually hold on to the pipette. And then that can just give you a little bit more control as to when you actually squeeze it and release the milk. So something like that's really, really handy. Um, So if you kind of have a look online for a photography clamp, um, a G-clamp, a floral clamp, sometimes they are specifically called, have a look online and and see what's available for you. I don't think that that expensive generally, um, but it's certainly worth getting hold of for this tutorial specifically. But you probably will find your main user over and over again, if you take a lot of small scale kind of home projects. Um, obviously, like I said, you're going to need a tripod that's going to help you uh, with the camera just to keep that nice and steady because if you are trying to squeeze the milk and take the photograph at the same time, it's going to get really messy and a little bit confusing. So having it on a tripod is just going to make it a little bit more stable and a bit easier. Um, getting a flash would be a good idea, but it's not essential. Um, alternatively, you could use a, a large area of natural light. So if you've got a big window, you've got a spare room or a kitchen or a conservatory uh, where you get lots of natural light flooding in, um, then go and set up in there. The more light, the better, because we're going to need, as you'll find out in a minute, uh, a really, really fast shutter speed. So that is going to be helped by having lots of light to make sure you get an even exposure. Um, and a remote trigger. Again, it's optional. It's not something you have to have, but it will just make it a little bit easier so you don't have to be right behind the camera and then also right around the other side, potentially um, to squeeze the milk out. So having a remote trigger on a cable or a wireless one just gives you a little bit of flexibility as to timing when you actually squeeze the milk and when you take the shot at the same time. So those are really, really handy. Again, they're not expensive either, especially the wired ones, they're fairly cheap these days, but you will need to make sure that your camera actually has the ability to plug in such a trigger. So you'll need a port on the side. So sometimes it may be a dedicated um, trigger port, a remote port, or sometimes it may actually run off wireless instead. So you just need to have a look in your camera. So let's move on to the setup. So We've talked a little bit about what you're gonna need already and potentially may understand where things are gonna go, but let's just be nice and clear with this milk splash. So step one is we're gonna need your surface to be the same height as the camera. So basically whether they're kind of raised up a little bit higher or everything's lower to the floor, whichever you prefer, but making sure that your camera is at the same level um, as the surface, because then that's not going to stop us giving, uh, getting any kind of awkward angles, any awkward reflections from light. Um, plus we're going to be able to kind of see things just as the milk splashes right onto that surface and give us that nice perspective. So trying to get the camera and our surface that we're shooting towards at the same height, that'd be perfect. So step two is to make your background nice and dark so the, the splash is going to stand out against that background. Um, you can use a, a black cloth, you know, if, if you've got a room that's got a very, very kind of um, a big bright window, that may be helpful because otherwise the light may spill onto other things and start illuminating in the background. If you've got one of those um, reflective um, surfaces, we talked about maybe like a polished floor tile that you're using for your base, maybe get another one and actually kind of uh, put that up 90 degrees behind and actually kind of create that L shape. So you get a nice kind of reflection on the back as well as on the surface. Um, so that's something that's worth considering. Then step three, that we need to position the clamp, uh, as I said, which mainly needs to be attached to that boom arm that overhangs. You could even do something as lo-fi and as simple as a tree branch. If you head outside, grab yourself a tree branch and kind of attach that somehow. Honestly, it can be so DIY and so lo-fi, it doesn't matter. It's not gonna be in the shot. It just helps you get that thing in position at that place. It doesn't matter about how it looks behind the scenes. It's all about the final photo. So it won't be in the shot. So Ultimately don't spend loads of money when it's not necessary. So once you've got the clamp kind of in position, you wanna have that literally right above the tile that's beneath. So trying to get it in the middle. Then obviously the next stage is to take the pipette or the turkey baster, whatever you're using and fill it up with milk. And at this point, you're gonna be squeezing a drop out once or twice just to try and get that pipette kind of filling up with water and then the weight of it dropping. So almost as if you're setting up the camera it's kind of just starting to drip ever so slightly bit by bit. Then if you're gonna to head to the camera, shutter priority, uh, shutter speed, that's gonna basically be the the, the thing you're gonna use most. So you can use it obviously in shutter priority mode or stick it into manual, whichever you're most comfortable with. Um, now, first off, you need to kind of set the shutter speed. So then that will, if you're shooting in shutter priority, then accordingly change the, the aperture and the you'll then may have to change the ISO. I would say for the times i've done this in the past you're probably going to be looking around about two thousandths of a second because it does depending upon how high up you are with the actual um, pipette obviously the higher it is the faster um the, the kind of the greater the speed that the milk's going to drop at. so you'll need a faster shutter speed obviously if it's lower it's not going to jump as fast so it's it's all determined by how your setup is exactly really so shutter priority or shooting in manual mode is gonna be the best kind of approach and then get your shutter speed to about 2,000th of a second. Open your aperture up a little bit wider if it's starting to look a little bit dark on the screen and obviously kind of crank up your ISO a little bit as well just to make, make sure you get a nice even exposure because what you're looking for is to expose solely for that area in the middle Uh, where the milk is gonna fall. Now it may be dropping, dripping down bit by bit as you're actually setting up the shop. So that's not a bad thing, at least gives you an idea as to where you need to frame up. So if you're using a flash in this instance, you may be limited to the sync speed. Um, This may be 250th of a second, it may be 160th. It just depends upon your camera. So kind of use it by all means, because obviously you're getting a big bright flash of light at that point. Um, It may help still freeze the action slightly, but this is where you may find using more natural light and being able to go faster on the shutter speed uh, may be a little bit more advantageous. Um, so, the next step is that we need to pre focus on the area that you can kind of estimate as to where the milk's going to splash. Um, so, obviously, you can use manual focus and basically just keep, uh, sorry, you can use automatic focus and then just keep your finger half pressed on that area if there's a little bit of contrast already. Even if you just roughly guide yourself as to where it's going to fall, maybe actually hold your finger in frame, pre focus, and then move your finger out the way. Um, But manual focus is actually probably the, the easier way to work with something like this. So if you've got a lens that can switch to manual focus, then it's probably actually worthwhile doing that and as i say if you just squeeze out a couple of drops from the pipette at the top just to see where it's going to fall and if you actually then just twist the barrel uh, and focus on that area itself zoom in nice and close even if you've got like a focus peaking um, or a focus highlight mode on your camera just to be able to go in and make sure it is nice and sharp just where it's splashing because it's literally just that little bit don't worry so much about actually capturing the sharpness uh, or trying to focus on the drops as they fall because it's going to be so unpredictable and so quick, but aim for where it's literally going to drop onto that surface. So manual focus can actually be a little bit easier in that instance. Then, um, as I said, with your ISO, you're going to bump that up a little bit, but try not to go too bright or sorry, too high with the ISO. Obviously, it can cause a little bit of grain coming into your shots the higher you go. Now, it's dependent upon your camera as to how tolerant it is, but I would say you don't really have to go much more than about 800 um, ISO. After that, you are probably going to start to see a little bit of grain coming into the shots. So now, with the camera set up ready to shoot, a high burst mode is actually really, really important. If you're doing it on like a single shot drive, you're gonna to have to be very, very quick and very, very lucky to get your shots um, kind of fairly quickly. So going in a burst mode, it's not cheating because you are working with a, a high, you know, high-speed subject there. So you've got to be fast and you've got to be predictable as to potentially where it's going to land. So kind of just help yourself out a little bit and use these features on the camera. It will make it so much easier. Now this step here i'm going to tell you don't worry you will mess this up i've messed this up and i'm sure everybody that's tried this milk splash technique has done as well so it will take a while you know you may get the timings wrong you may kind of shoot uh, a little bit quicker than before the milk actually starts falling you may kind of capture it a lot afterwards so it's going to be a back and forth process but when you've got a couple of shots have a look through after you know if you hold your finger down get a good few um, shots in the burst mode have a look back through afterwards and see what it looks like if you've got a a couple of images that you like the composition of you like the splash of zoom in on the back of your lcd don't just rely upon what you see at three inches zoom in a little bit closer to the shot and actually make sure it's sharp where you want it to be if it's not clean off the surface, have another go again, squeeze the pipette just as you take the shot there, hold your finger down or hold your finger down on the remote trigger or the shutter button, whichever you're using uh, to kind of get as many shots as you can, as quick as you can. So it will take a little bit of time. It will be frustrating, but I promise you when it works, it pays off. So moving on to our next little home project now, this is just simple product photography, but it's really, really kind of fun to basically take objects from around the house, whether it be some ornaments, some jewelry, perfume bottles, something from the kitchen, some cutlery, and just give a little bit of time and dedication to photographing some still life. You know, shooting items in the house, it's a really fun way to explore photography, as still life as, as well as understanding the art of building a composition from scratch, because 19 percent of the time when you're out you're taking photographs of what you see things that already exist but with product photography or commercial or still life whatever you want to call it when you're doing these little home projects you've got to build that shot it doesn't exist up until this point you're basically going to have to take the objects arrange them in a way that is pretty you're going to have to get the lighting that's right and then obviously create a composition with your camera so it really is a kind of an a to z of photography skills that you're really having to kind of use lots of different elements to actually create this final image so I find it's kind of quite a creative thing. Uh, it's quite challenging, but it's very, very personal because the final result that you get is is 100% new. It's not something that's pre-existed and you've seen the shots and then you've created something from that. This literally, as I said, doesn't exist. So what we're gonna need, obviously, is some products. You can use branded products. You can use just objects around the house. It's up to you. i say perfume bottles look really nice. You can get some nice drinking bottles, antiques, shoes, jewelry whatever it is around your house give it a go Um, a light tent can be very useful but it's not essential either you can pick up light tents or light boxes called a range of different things these days um obviously iPhotography, photography as i should get the opportunity to mention does have um, a stock of light tents that you can purchase from us if you head over to ifotography.com um, or actually if you head over to learn.ifotography.com forward slash podcast, you'll get some offers on there on some of our products. So I think you should be able to find something like that on there. Um, but don't worry if you if you don't have a light tent or you don't have a space for it, you can kind of create your own little environment, your own little mini studio. So maybe like we were talking about before on our Milk Splash tutorial, if you get two matching floor tiles, one that you could have as a base and one that you could have as a background, that can work. nicely whether they're reflective or matte or you could even just get yourself a big piece of card maybe something like a1 or a0 side piece of card and then we're gonna pin the top of it up to uh, on a wall and actually let the rest of it kind of run down onto a table so you create this nice curve which forms a background and foreground so you don't want any of those heavy sharp angular lines unless they're all kind of covered up so something like that could be really simple Um, maybe a couple of LED lights, Um, LED panel lights look fantastic, whether you can use one, ideally two can just give you a little bit of flattery and a little bit more uh, flexibility in terms of the angles. And plus it's going to cut down on the shadows, as we'll speak about later. Um, So they're really handy to have a hold of, or it could just be some table lamps or some desk lamps or some, you know, lamps from around your house. But if you can get two of them to sit either side of your product, that's going to be really helpful in terms of the lighting. Um, And obviously a tripod as well. I mean, you could shoot this all handheld, but it's just going to be a little bit easier having your camera on a tripod set up so you can then move the composition. If you want to tweak the objects in terms of the position, you can do it. It it, it gives you that little bit more flexibility and you don't have to then go back to the camera and rehold it and then uh, reposition yourself, etc. So pop it on a tripod, make life easier. So in terms of how to actually set up this shot in the way of building it, so whether you're using a light tent, you're using floor tiles, kind of set them at 90 degrees, but just make sure that there's no visible gaps in between the background and the foreground. You don't want a kind of a clear line um, basically between those two tiles that's gonna be kind of really jarring. So that why that kind of infinity curve idea is quite nice. Um, but if you're using matching tiles, you should give you a fair amount of chance that you won't see much of an obvious gap. And you can edit it out if you need to. Now, again, you need to set your camera up at the same level uh, as the light tents or mini studio, whatever you've constructed. So basically kind of get it at the same level. So um, the camera is actually kind of seeing your object from the same point of view, not too high. And again, not too low down, but roughly at about the same level. Now it can be awkward if you're using natural light because you may be kind of stood in front of it trying to make sure that you're getting the most amount of light on your subject um, as well as kind of getting the camera. So you, it may be a little bit tricky in terms of using natural light that you can end up blocking something or, or casting a shadow. This is why the LEDs are a little bit more flexible because you can move them in a little bit closer. You can position them a bit more exactly where you want them to be really. And obviously it gives you control over the shadows. By having two lights, one will kind of counteract the other in terms of the actual um, uh, shadows and where they fall. So if you position them roughly around about 45 degrees either side of the camera, both pointing towards your subject. Once you've kind of got the base shots, you can then play around and put one behind, one in front, you know, you could could start coloring them as well. If you've got the option of an RGB color mode on these uh, LED panels, that can be really fun to play around with. But just initially start off with these simple base shots and have them either side of the camera, say about 45 degrees uh, to the subject itself. Then when you're going through your camera, you want to have a look at white balance settings because depending upon what type of light that you're using, it may be casting a bit of a color onto your subject. With the LED lights, some of them kind of become daylight balance, So that's going to be a lot easier um, to to basically shoot in auto mode really. But if you're using like table lamps or house lamps, um, incandescent bulbs can be that little bit warmer. So it can make your products look a little bit more orange or yellow. So then just flip over onto your your white balance settings and use an incandescent mode to basically balance out. It's basically telling the camera that we're using an incandescent light, which is like a house household bulb, um, and it will basically balance out, it'll counteract that warmness. So obviously, if you're using different types of bulbs, you just need to be kind of cautious of what you're using. And again, you can, if you don't have the time, um, if you're not really bothered by kind of playing around with the settings in camera too much, you can do it in editing, but it does save, you know, a, a, an easier job to actually do it in camera first, Really, so actually, in terms of camera settings, the one thing you're gonna to want to do is shoot in aperture priority mode or manual mode if you wanted to, um, and we're gonna kind of open up the aperture to create this nice shallow depth of field because we really want to keep all our attention on the on the product itself. We're not so worried about the background if that's just gonna be plain. Then let's just kind of get a nice amount of light that's into the camera there. Blur out the background. Shut speed, you can keep it around about 125th of a second if you insist on shooting handheld. Uh, but don't go slower than a sixtieth of a second on handheld, because otherwise you're going to see potentially a little bit of camera shake. Everybody's got kind of wonky hands, kind of shake your hands. So it's it, it can happen. So don't make a don't make it problematic for yourself. Just stick it on a tripod or shoot at 125th of a second or faster. Uh going handheld. So I mean if obviously if you want to do like Uh, Kind of long exposures and create some light trails. Uh, Once you've got your base shots and you want to do something more creative, obviously, you know, you're going to have to change your shutter speed for that. But initially for the basic elements, for the basic skills, get it on a tripod, shoot 125th of a second. Your subject's not gonna be moving, so you don't need to really kind of be playing around too much with a shutter speed. This is why we can shoot in aperture priority mode. Um, or potentially you could go auto, really. you know, If you wanted to be that a little bit more reliant on the camera, you could go auto. There's probably not gonna be much wrong with it. Just make sure that the flash doesn't fire. If you've got a built-in flash, that can happen. If you're in low light situations, uh, a flash can kind of automatically come up Um, so there's nothing necessarily wrong with that but yeah aperture priority or manual will give you a lot more control especially on the depth of field. Um, Keep the ISO as low as you possibly can to make the colors nice and strong and use a single spot focus method and point it directly in the middle of the frame to your subject even if you want to then kind of offset your subject on later shots you can do but let's just start off with something simple. A single spot mode just because we're working with one subject there get that in focus get the exposure and all the uh, the focus directly onto that single subject in terms of angles, play around with them. Obviously, you don't have to be looking for the product to look kind of flat. If you turn it slightly 45 degrees, if it's say like a, a perfume bottle, don't have it directly flat towards the camera. Maybe tilt it a little bit so it's side on so we can kind of see the edges. It creates some depth actually within the, the actual product itself. And uh, now you can move around with every single shot that you take because given the fact that the subject's not moving itself, it's not gonna kind of cause you major problems. You should be able to get most of your shots kind of pretty good first time around. And then when you take the shot, go back to the product, tweak the frame a little bit, maybe kind of just move it ever so slightly, maybe move one light a bit further back another one a bit further forward. So with every single shot, you're just making a slightly different idea. And they may not all work and they probably won't all work, but you'll start to see the relationship between the lights, between the product and what works and doesn't work. So if you then wanna shoot another product later on, um, you maybe got a couple of ideas as to what works nicely with the setup. So say don't take tons of uh, photographs of the same position. Nothing new is gonna happen. You know, the, the, the bottle itself is not gonna change. So don't just make more headache for yourself when you come down to editing or choosing a picture, get it right, do it once in the camera, maybe take two or three shots just for safety. And then maybe move on to a different composition and move the angles and um, with that said you can then go on to add some more flourishes to the scene so say if it was a perfume bottle that you're photographing then you know maybe how about the idea of getting some petals and sprinkling them around the actual bottle themselves just to give a little bit more flavor i know it sounds really so- odd to say that in a photograph but it kind of does give a little bit more texture it gives a sense of in the in the context of a perfume it gives the idea of what it may smell like something like that and you can go even a little bit further. You know, you can maybe slow down the shutter speed uh, or maybe you can kind of go a bit faster. And as you actually drop those petals, capture the moments where the petals are falling over onto the bottle so they can look nice and sharp if you go with a fast shutter speed or they can look a little bit softer and a little bit slower as they fall with a slower shutter speed. So you can get a little bit kind of creative with them as well. You can even go way further and even using something like fishing line, suspend some uh, petals and actually thread them through the fishing line and suspend them over the top and around the perfume bottle itself. That can look quite cool. And then you'll just have to spend a little bit of time editing out that line. So I think that's kind of a slightly more advanced project itself, but still something to work on. So for our off- third little home project we wanted to talk about indoor floral photography because flowers are so easily available even if you're going out into your back garden and cutting a few flowers off whether you're just briefly heading out to do your grocery shopping and then you can go into the shops and maybe pick up a bunch that's fairly cheap or even some fake silks flowers it it doesn't matter whether they're real or fake this is all about you kind of getting into the mood of photography kind of taking some images kind of creating some ideas and then you can get more advanced and more comfortable that you get so it doesn't really matter whether the 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 Real or they're fake or such, but they are so easy to photograph. Whether you're indoors or out in the garden, um, it's just it's just, it's very very straightforward. And I say I'm going to just give you a couple of ideas. Either way, it's really straightforward as to what you need. Obviously you wouldn't be able to get far without them. That boom arm that we talked about a little bit earlier with the milk splash tutorial, bring that back in again. So whether it is a tree branch, that could be quite a nice, actually a little addition, especially within using flowers, it creates more of a scene. Um, A clamp again, if you wanted to kind of hold them above or you could use a simple vase and if you actually wanted the flower to appear from the bottom of the image with the clamp it just gives you that a little bit of flexibility that you can move around and you don't actually have to have the flower on a floor because when you do have on a surface it's going to bend the petals a little bit so you can even get some of this from florists I think they call it oasis which is basically like a kind of a big green block Um, and then you can push the flowers into it and it basically acts as just like a little not a vase but like a little holder and it just keeps them upright so you can put a number of different flowers in there and then that gives you the the ability to spin the flower around move the lighting around it as well so whichever way you do it whether it's with a boom arm or some of this oasis um, it's going to be really really helpful just be able to have your flower in a position that you can move around it and it can move around you as well as opposed to it all being just in a vase all the time Um, Now a water sprayer could be a good little prop in this instance, um, just to add a bit of a flavor and a little bit of sprinkles of water actually onto the flower itself. So you may want to reserve that for a few later shots, maybe kind of capture a few shots where it's looking dry and then maybe add a little bit of moisture to it. So a simple kind of uh, garden sprayer would be really, really kind of useful in that instance. Um, now in terms of lighting again if you've got that led panel that you may have used previously in other home projects that's going to be really really helpful to use here so a lot of natural light will be really really helpful in this instance if you haven't got an led panel to play around with so get your setup really really close to a big window or if you've got a conservatory space that you can get out to so you can shoot in these indoors it will kind of give you that bit more control because as soon as you go outdoor photographing flowers you're at the mercy of the wind and that can make it really really tricky for knowing and you know, exactly where your flower is going to be in terms of the shot it can move you get a little bit of gust of wind and it pushes that off frame slightly so having a bit more control shooting indoors is what this is all about um, again in terms of talking about control tripod as well it's 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 not actually essential um with any of these really with a milk splash it does help a lot more and it's just making life a little bit easier for you so don't feel that you have to go out and go and buy a tripod just for these um Types of tutorials, but it is good and you will use it, you know, later on in your photography wherever you go. So it's always good to have one just to give you a bit of uh, stability. So in terms of setting up your shot for your floral photography, now set up with a plain background, uh, black looks great against most flowers, but if you've got a favourite type of flower, maybe like a red rose, then you may consider getting a matching background. So maybe like a darker shade of red. So if your your flower itself is kind of quite light red, then maybe go for a darker red background so you get this monotone effect, but there's still a clear foreground and background. Um, If you want to go for a different colour though, I would always suggest using a complementary one. So with red it goes with green if you're using blue then you can use yellow or orange so this is whether it's foreground or background depending upon what your um, your actual flower color is um so yeah so make sure you choose if you just kind of have a quick look at a color wheel and just make sure whatever foreground flower you've got the color of that is going to complement against the background Um, Otherwise, you can just go with a simple black, maybe a gray. Um, I think black or white generally is kind of nice and clear as a a background anyway. Uh, then with the flower itself, once you've kind of cut it up and kind of cleaned off, leave a bit of the stem on and then actually attach that stem to the clamp on your boom arm or be putting it in that oasis or however you're actually positioning it in uh, into the shop. Make sure it's kind of nice and clear, but you've still got enough of the stem so the actual clamp itself doesn't end up becoming visible in the shop because it's so close to the flower. Now, if you want to actually photograph a whole bunch of flowers, um, a vase obviously is going to be kind of a little bit easier because you want to keep them as close as you possibly can together. So even if you put them in a vase and then actually put a bit of an elastic band around the stems, it's just going to force them a bit tighter together. Because ultimately you don't really want to have the vase and the water and all that in the shot, um, but you want to keep the flowers as close as possible. So whether you tie a little bit of string around the top of the stems, it's just going to bring all the heads that little bit closer together and not have any gaps where you may end up accidentally seeing in the background so if the camera is on a tripod, then you can kind of multitask by holding a light in one hand and having your finger on the trigger at the same time. So that's not too bad really because you're not having to time things so much like you were with the milk splash, because obviously everything's staying still. Um, so you can kind of one hand on the finger on the on the trigger and then the other hand kind of moving the light around, and you're looking to try and kind of keep a nice level of light across most of your flower itself. So obviously you can get as creative as you want, really, but try to avoid kind of heavy hard. Harsh shadows on the flower because it's all about beautifying the subject. They're very soft, they're very delicate, and you want the lighting to help with that. So if you bring your your light, whatever light source you're using, a little bit closer, that's going to make shadows that a little bit softer. If you bring in a light bit further away, inverse square law dictates that your shadow is going to be a little bit more prominent. So just remember soft light is really sympathetic to florals. Kind of keep the light bright and close. Um if you've only got a harsh light, say if you're using a torch, um, then try and soften it. A little bit so move it away or if you even want to put like a big sheet in front of it that can try and just diffuse the light a little bit more and just kind of soften out any shadows. Again, as we're talking about with product photography, um, move around a little bit, move around your subject, change the angles. The, The flower itself is not gonna change shot to shot. So if you wanna make interesting images, take a picture, move the angle, take a picture, move the angle. So just repeat that process. So whether you're moving the actual flower, whether you're moving the camera, whether you're zooming in a little bit further, but make every single shot different because there's no reason why it shouldn't be sharp every time with it being a still object. So just take your opportunities to get lots of different variations of images because they can look kind of quite nice in collages and even in composites as well. So using a very wide aperture uh, and keep with a small spot focus as we talked about before, very similar to uh, product photography. You'll notice a lot of the camera settings that we're talking about uh, in this one and the last uh, little project, they're very, very similar because ultimately you are working with a similar type of, uh, of item really. Um, it's just the, the delicacy and the nature of each type of object that you're using needs. those maybe little refinements and, and little changes, But ultimately, the camera settings are pretty much going to be the same itself. You know, if you've got a macro lens, that could be very, very helpful to use, um, especially on florals. If you want to get really close in um, somewhere between around about 50 to 85 millimeters would be kind of an ideal length. If you wanna jazz up your shots a little bit and using the water sprayer, as I said before, can be kind of quite a useful little tool. Um, but don't just solely use water. I found before, if you actually get some baby oil and you mix that up um, with the water, it gives a slightly thicker consistency and it just stops the, the droplets running off the petals as fast because they're a little bit slower to move. And so it gives you the opportunity of getting a few more shots before you have to go back and respray, etc. And then you'll end up with water everywhere. So yeah, it's, it's like a little bit of a pro tip there, just to add a little bit of baby oil into the water and just makes it that little bit more thicker in terms of the consistency of what you're spraying. So there we go. I I hope you've enjoyed kind of going through some of those step-by-step ideas as to some home projects that you can do with your photography. But if you've been doing some whilst you've been at home yourself during uh, the past 12 months or so, I would love to know what you've been shooting. If you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, if you kind of drop us a message, send us some pictures, tag us in some photographs of what you've actually been shooting, it'd be lovely to share them out. And show everybody else because it just gives people a little bit more uh, inspiration if you're struggling for a little bit at the minute it's totally natural if you've been stuck at home for so long Um, but if you have got a little bit more time on your hands then feel free to check out the rest of the iPhotography podcasts Um, hopefully you've enjoyed this one enough and if you want to subscribe and listen along to other ones you can do it would be lovely to hear from you so I hope you've enjoyed that and as I say if you wanted to have a little bit more information about iPhotography we've got our own dedicated link for Pure for our podcast listeners that's ifotography.com forward slash podcast where you can get discounts on our courses uh, and some of our amazing products but from myself i just want to say thank you so much for listening and i hope you've enjoyed it hopefully you've got a little bit of inspiration and we'll catch you on the next episode bye-bye for now